0: This week's Devil The Detail podcast, I'm Rob Parkson, we're here talking all things Salford Red Devils. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside. How's your whipping mate?
1: Yeah, all right, thanks, mate. Very, very busy as usual. Lots of stuff going on at the moment, but uh, no, I enjoyed the match at the weekend. Probably one of the best games I've seen for a long time. I enjoyed it, we just went the wrong way, but no, I'm doing all right, mate. Thank you, doing okay.
0: Yeah, I've been busy trying to sell my car for scrap, so it's going to go in the next couple of days. It's just sat there outside now looking at me, saying, you know, we've had some good times, but it's all over now.
1: left will have to have a word with that Phillips goal he They'll come and get it, won't He buys any car, on <laughs> not <hasn't he? laughs> <He does. laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: hopefully. Hopefully, I'll get some decent money for it. Also join us on the show, we've got Paul Parking.
2: How's your week been, Parky? Uh, emotional. Uh, I'm a little bit up and down, a few... Few things going on, but uh, generally all right, not too bad. Um, obviously, a bit, a uh, bit gutted to come not make the match on Saturday, uh, but especially as, as Paul's just pointed out, it was a you know a cracker. Thanks for that, mate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, just uh, just plodding along like you do, getting through life. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to to Friday now, last game, and uh, you know wrapping up the season. as I don't know, really. I don't know where. I don't know what I'm going to do after that for the next few months. So, hibernate, I think.
0: Yeah, that's what it is. It's always difficult in off seasons because it, you kind of uh, have to have to do stuff like, you know, decorating and yeah. fixing stuff, Paul.
1: Spend time with your family. <laughs> As well, you know, that you don't see. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. Is it, it it's strange sometimes? Because it, it's not like football. The, the rugby league close season's a lot longer, isn't it? Really. Mm. You know, finished finish now for us. September. You're going to have October, November, December, and probably the end of January before the season starts. So um, yeah, we you always look forward to the fixtures don't you? That's the next mm. thing that comes out. they on the come out around December time, don't they? Normally, or something like that. So yeah, look forward to that. There's no World Cup. That's I was excited for the World Cup, and that was going to get me through, but. Hopefully next year it, it all happens. But uh, I might try and go to the grand final. Actually, I'm thinking about maybe going to the grand final if I can get time off work and that, and go and watch that. And you know, watch as a neutral. Not often you go to games as a neutral, is it? So uh, I'll enjoy that if I go.
0: Yeah, at least I live as uh, a cheering parker That there's no uh, there's no rugby. They can have a
2: rest over next uh, few months. Uh, I'm a I'm a non-drinker these days. <laughs> I've, I've knocked it on the head. So uh, oh, yeah, oh, right. yeah, I'm, uh, I've been like this for a while now. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's another thing that's gone. i really, I don't take drugs, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I'll have no rugby. I don't know, might as well just hang me a queue up, I don't <laughs> know, and give it, give it all up. Um, yeah, no, it's like Paul said, then it's I was looking forward to the World Cup this year, really disappointed. But we've got there's still the resolution of what's going to happen with the Super League are they going to go down? Is there going to be a legal battle? Is you know, uh, that's all to come. Then you've got new signings. It'll be announced probably, you know, dribs and drabs throughout the the off season and then the fixtures and then the friendlies and, and whatever. So yeah, it will be here before we know it. You know, you've got, you've got Christmas to come up and that's that takes about three months, doesn't it? So uh, yeah, <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll look forward to all that and obviously we'll get this week out of the way. Yeah, there's uh, loads to go on on this week's
0: show. we will look back at the uh, Warrington defeat. We've got all the big news coming out of the club uh, this week. We've got Paul's amateur Report, and then we've got to look forward to the uh, Saints game on Friday. So what we'll do, we'll start off uh, with the defeat against Warrington. You're
3: listening to Devil in the
2: Detail, and this is your Big Match Review. So as I uh, unfortunately couldn't make it as uh, I was detained elsewhere um Rob, to use your line uh, talk us through it what 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 occurred I, I mean it sounded uh, an unbelievable game um and I was at one point I must have I mean, when they went 16 six up, I thought this could now be a bit of a bit of a murdering but uh, no something happened so uh, that is off. Yeah, pure drama, Parker, to be fair. Uh,
0: Warrington, obviously, you know, going for that playoff spot. We've got nothing to play for, but the yeah. players did actually put in a real shift. I think it shows, like I say, Richard Marshall's team um, are playing for Pride, and that's what they, they showed plenty of it on, on, on Friday, on on Sunday. Um, obviously, Ken Sio scored his, his first try. Lovely work putting him over in the corner, uh, showing why he's Super League's uh, top try scorer. But like I said, Warrington hit back, tries from Matty Ashton and, and Matty, Davis, Davis try for me, sort of down the, the play of the ball, just dives over there to make it sort of 12-6. And, you know, you've got to think sometimes, it's sort of defence is a bit weak around the edges, and and that's kind of showed us, showed us up really at that point. China made it sort of 16-6, six. but then just for half-time, uh, Co got one, uh, sort of an interception try, around about 40 metres, got under the post, and uh, at 16-12, uh, Paul, we were, we were in the contest.
1: Yeah, we certainly were. I mean, I said at half-time, I thought we were the better side in that first half. I didn't think Warrington created anything. Um, the try they got, the first try from Matty Ashton was a cough-up from from mm-hmm. and Eskere. Don't really know what he was doing there because he got the ball and he just seemed to pass it back to the Warrington man whether he lost it or, or whatever, I'm not so sure. Then they scored a try from, from Davis. Mm-hmm. It, it was a difficult one that a lot of people behind the sticks thought he was short there. But you, you couldn't really tell. He, he didn't like he scored to me. But the Josh Shownley try was was a load of rubbish as well because um Sam luckily got penalised for an eye tackle we never had an eye tackle in a million years he was on his shoulder and they shifted the ball there and, and Charlie scored and that, that was a real blow that so I thought to myself they're frustrating we deserve something and we deserve that try before half time because we didn't deserve to go in ten points down. So to get us back into the game I I felt we deserved to be level at half time really and just glad that the boys kept kept plugging away because they did, and they had an awful lot of defending to do, a lot of those six-to-goals as well. And um, and yeah, 16-12, it, it was anybody's game in the second half. Well, uh, for
2: me, obviously I've only seen brief highlights of, of the game, but I did listen a little bit uh, on, online. Um, the Like you said, the Charlie try, uh, the the commentators on Radio Merseyside, we won't, won't pass comment about about that one, Warrington, will we? That they were confused because they, they there was a, a noise from the crowd, from the Warrington fans, and they didn't know what was going on. And then the referee blew his whistle after. And it seems like the referee's, I, I don't know, and I can't, you know, I've got no real evidence of this, but it seems like the referee probably basically on you know, what the crowd may have thought or seen, which, you know, as any home fan, you, you claim for everything. You know you do. You know, we do it. Every team does it. So that, that seemed a bit strange. When the commentators were were a little bit uh, a little bit confused. That was, um, you know, that that sort of off putting. But the the other one was that the second try again. I've only seen that as a, as a highlight. I I can't see how the referee's made the decision one way or another. Really, I can't see him get the ball down. So, you know, he hasn't got a video ref. The in goal judge didn't seem to. I've seen it on on this highlight. Like, I couldn't even notice where the in goal judge was to make the decision. It's like he was behind the play, which obviously he's going to be, but. Not in a position to see the ball grounded. So that disappoints me. I'm not having a, I'm trying to bag a referee here. I, again, I wasn't there. I don't know. But it, it's interesting to see what you, you two thought of that. Whether you thought he got over. Well, I thought he did.
0: But I was like sort of 40, 50 yards away. But I'm behind him. So Paul probably had a better view because he's <clears throat> him and nearer.
1: I was behind the sticks. And the, the, when he went over... He was about ten yards, well, about five or six yards short of the line. He wasn't a very tall bloke, so when the tackle was made, I thought oh, there's no way he's got that down because he's, he's quite far short of, of the line. So I couldn't believe the way they give the tracks I thought if he was six foot five, then yeah, because he's long enough <laughs> to get the ball down. But he didn't seem to be anywhere near the line. But then I've heard a few people say they've seen the replay. and It looks like he has got it down. So if he if he has, fair, fair enough, because the Goldjudge judge was stood right right on the play there at the back, so he's. The other side of the of the of the dead ball line. So what's he about 10 yards away from it from the incident? So he must have said to the referee it was over. But as I said, the, the Sam Luckley one that was right in front of me where I was, and it wasn't an eye tackle, it was on his shoulder. And there's a lot of that at the moment. There's, we've said that about this season about the referees. They're going for eye tackle. It's a contact sport, for God's sake, and it's so frustrating as a supporter that the, the penalties seem to be willy nilly in these six <clears> to goals. And a lot of the time they're blowing for these six to goals, you don't even know what they're for. You hear that outer go off, and the thing—what's that for? Nothing signaled or nothing said, and it—it it can, it can be a bit frustrating. That for me, that that six to go, because it seems when a sides sort of got you on the op and they've got the the crowd behind them, they're just blowing that outer all the time, and it's it's hard to defend. And yeah, I I don't like that that six to go thing. I think it's a
2: it's a bad rule. Yeah, so I, I I wouldn't disagree with you. I really wouldn't. I think, and uh, I, I have noticed in the last couple of games on Sky that it's getting refed a little bit differently. Another Saints-Leeds game the other night, that hooter rarely went off. And yet there was incidents in that game, which we have definitely been punished for several times in one game. You know, it just, there was a, 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 an occasion where Warmsley had made one of these storming breaks that he made the other night. Um, and the Leeds player held him down for probably a good five foot, uh, four or five seconds before the, his teammates even got anywhere near. Warmsley's trying to get up. He puts his pressure back on him to put him down again. And the referee does nothing and plays on. He, you know, it's he, and I thought, oh, maybe they're letting it go now. Maybe it's something they've decided because it is a, it is a contentious decision to make. Um, and I hope, I hope they do do that. I hope they do sort of make it, you know, it's got to be a really obvious one now to, to give it. Because some of them we've seen, there was one against Hull that we, we were penalised for, which, uh, like you said, Paul, nobody in the ground had a clue what it was for. And it was after he actually played the ball. He'd give the who you know, you give the decision who to when you kind of scratching your head a bit, it's just one of them more confusing things. And if, if you're taking someone to the game for the first time, they wouldn't have a clue what was going on. Um, so yeah, so so moving on, I mean, obviously, Rob's second half must have been you know, must have been a little bit of squeaky bum time.
0: Yeah, we we hung in our second half, obviously, you know, wanting two are a good side, they, they, they were pushing us, but. You know, we we had answers to their questions for me. And obviously, when two went over to make it 18-16 us with about 20 to go, I was obviously thinking, you know, we could win this. And mm. and that's and that's a sort of um, a real sort of shot in the arm uh, for us. Because I think, obviously, you're going to teams like Warrington and you're going to get challenged. And if we're sort of in the mix with sort of 20 to go, they're the playoff side. And I suppose it's about development, both on and off the field. These boys who are playing for us now. It's about playing in them kind of conditions. And even though we aren't fighting for a playoff spot, it, can, it will help when we work your know, games like this. Even though we lost, uh we had opportunities. And and, and, that's, and that's a good thing, I think, uh, obviously, going forward, Paul.
1: Yeah, I, I thought the second half, the start of the second half again, I think we're into about four or five sets of six on our line. And I said to my dad, they score here, I think, with his curtains. But we didn't. We held them out. We, kept, we That, that goal-line defence was good. Then our opportunity came. It was Sam Luckley got a ball out, didn't he? Lovely pass from Luckley. I don't know how he got the ball out. Chris Atkin, great bit of work from him. Took the line on, turned him inside out. Lovely ball to two. And it was a great try. That really was. The crowd were going mad behind the sticks there. And To be honest, I never thought we was in trouble then. We, we defended him set for set. Um, and until that, that incident with Danny Addy, which he didn't need to do that, he didn't really need to, to to go, he lost his head there. And that to me, that cost us the game. If he hadn't have done that, we'd have won that game 18-16, no doubt about that. Because I think we'd have held Warrington out. Because they, despite <coughs> what some people said in the media, I mean I know the guys on Sky Sunday night were saying it was injury at Warrington and this and the other, but yeah, Blake Austin on there, <laughs> George Williams, Gareth Widup, Ben Curry, Stephen Ratchford. Uh, Josh Charlie was on there who was the other fella Toby King they had some good players on there the three pivot men as well they never really created anything and and we sort of nullified them so I thought the defence was really good and, and yeah Danny had he's, he's done something silly there and he's let his teammates down really there and I just felt sorry for the, the team it was just a silly petulant thing to do they got level and then it all went to the uh, the, the drop goal time then.
0: Ratchford was a difference for me when he came on uh Paul, he, he sped it all around the play of the ball. You know, we were really struggling uh, to sort of keep him up, perhaps, even though he wasn't particularly doing anything. He was just sort of finding space and we were unable to sort of close him down. Um, about the Addy incident, I suppose when you've got adrenaline going, you know, people do funny things, don't they? And he'll he'll probably learn from that, as will the rest of the team. But obviously, you've got to stay disciplined, Parker, uh, you know, when, when you're in this situation, because obviously you're giving away penalties in, in playoff football. It's,
2: it's curtains, isn't it? Yeah, I've seen I've seen that as well. And I, I, if I was Richard Marshall, I'd be giving him the rounds of the kitchen. I'll be perfectly frank with you. I think what Paul said spot on. He, he has cost us the game. Um, he, he he's got bounced off by another player. Rather than reacting and thinking, right, I'll get back in mid defensive line. Other people were handling that situation. Other players had grabbed this guy, and he just decides to throw a punch or you know, swing an arm. I mean. This guy, he's not he's not new to the game. He was captain of Lee last year. He's been around a long time. He understands rugby league. He shouldn't be doing that. He gives them that penalty, which obviously they kick. But then we're going into extra time. A man down. And from what I I could gather from, you know, commentary and, and everything else, our forwards were absolutely gassed. Hmm. They had nothing left. The last the last ten minutes, I think it was all our three quarters who were driving the ball out, you know, CO, Inu, people like that. Because the forwards had nothing, they couldn't get back. They couldn't, you know, they were really struggling. We, we know we're short on numbers anyway in the pack. We, you know, we've been like this for weeks. Apparently, from what Paul's just said there, Sky, don't think we get injuries. Um, you know, we just we just signed players on loan. Um, but yeah, and, and that the last thing you need is one of your teammates letting you down like that. If it he, if it got Simbin for something, you know, a, a high tackle that he couldn't have, you know, he's gone in for a tackle, he's got it wrong. But that that's done on purpose. and at this level, you don't get away with that. And and like I say, then you're going into extra time. You've got 12 men on the park. The players are already shattered. They put all their effort in. Paul said there at the start of the second half with set after set of defence, that will tire you out later in the game. That's what we've done all year. It's what we've done. You know, you can't carry on doing that. And then you go a man down. You've got very little chance away at Warrington, you know, against a mm-hmm. team with, with so much talent, like Paul said there, you name the names. I mean... You know these these are all top quality players, and they're not going to waste chances. So very disappointed with with Adit. And um, know he's he's obviously trying. He hasn't played a lot this year. Is it he, wasn't a case he was off the pace. So it was more a case of like like you say it was just petulance. He he didn't like the fact that I, I think he was one of their younger forwards as well that had bounced him away, and he didn't like that. And he you know he took it into his own hands, and it, it's silly. You know, I I can't imagine a fully fit Elijah Taylor playing at loose Forward making that error. You know, he's not going to do it. So, disappointing. But then obviously now, you know, we've gone into extra time. Well, we're we're getting close to extra time. Uh, It's all square. So, what happened next?
0: Yeah, I I think obviously, like you said, Paul, you know, we started to gas a bit. But I thought our sort of game management at that point kind of took over a bit. Obviously, Warrington had had their drop goal we didn't panic. We got up to the, the other end and, and Tui dropped, dropped a goal to tie it up. And really, it's weird, really, because I thought when, when someone touches a, a drop goal attempt, the ball's dead. The ball went over the sticks. It, it's an no old score. Is that, did I just dream that, dream, that rule up? Uh, or, no. or Or have they changed it since when? when they changed.
1: They the rule changed, didn't it, a few years ago? Well, that was the rule. Right. I remember that rule being, if you touched it, it knocked it on there, but I think it was a couple of years back, they changed that rule, they really outlawed that, didn't even change it, because I remember thinking at the time, oh, someone's touched the ball, <laughs> I thought, no, yeah. the rule's change. we're all right, we're all right, so um, so yeah, it, it, it had changed, but I thought that, yeah, we did well there to, to get back, and um, do you know what, it was funny when the the clock was ticking down there in the game. Stood behind the sticks, I, I turned round. To, to, I kept checking that shot clock. Cause it was behind, you know, not the shot clock, the, the game timer. I must have turned round every thirty seconds, you know, the last sort of ten minutes, just to see how long I was left. Because you're just panicking. And I said to me, Dad, I went, turned around, I looked at all the faces behind me, and the faces you should have seen the hope and the desperation on people's faces. I looked at me, Dad, I went, Dad, there's nothing on this game, is there? We can't get in the playoffs. There's nothing on it for us, but I said, just look what it means for everybody. And it was brilliant. And, and no, it was, it was great. But when we kicked off for um, extra time, that kickoff from 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 Inu, I think it was Inu who kicked it off. What a great kick. As soon as he kicked it, I thought, my heart started powering. I thought, that ball's going to bounce because he kicked it into space, bounced straight over Austin's head. And then it gave us the restart under the sticks. And I thought, why don't we just drop the goal on the first tackle?
0: The, th- the thing is, I'd jump in there mm. before we Go talk on. about that bit. Obviously, the, the disallowed drop goal from from Williams, mm. right? Yeah. I I I called it straight away that, that Tui that Tui got put, got obstructed, but mm. then it was pure Salford that we had an opportunity there. Atkin doesn't find touch, and then suddenly mm. Warrington yeah. could win it again. So it was just like <laughs> a, a proper like sort of. Head-in-hands head, head moment, if you know what I mean. But like, like I say, what Warrington luckily couldn't create anything. And then into extra time, like you said, the Inu kick, that, that's the spiralling kick, you know, causing all kinds of problems in that Warrington defence. But like you said, when we were going for that second, that's that second drop goal, because don't forget, Inu had one previous as well, which he missed yeah. with about 45 yards out. Um, it seemed that that was the only show in town for me. And Warrington knew that as well. So we weren't looking at like asking questions to give Warrington a bit of a headache on what we were going to do. It was just drive close to the post, get someone in the pocket, and we'll have a drop goal. And they mm. knew that. So that's mm. why they kept, well, late in the in the set, everyone kept jumping out of the, of the line. So for me, it would have been better if they'd have been like, let's... Like fine, let's try and work something to give Warrington that doubt in the red that there's going to be a drop goal coming. If you know what I mean, that never happened, and I think that kind of influenced what happened because obviously the ball came back to Atkin; he got squeezed by about eight Warrington players, gave it to Inu, who was at an angle slightly to the right hand side, not the greatest, you know, space to, to 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 drop the goal. He sort of spooned it wide, and uh, the chance had gone. But it's like you say, if if we'd have just been a bit more, let's ask a question here off, off Warrington. And, and push, push, push it and see how they react. But unfortunately, we didn't. And that's, that's how they got the ball
1: back. I think what, with what happened there, I think it shocked us a bit when that ball went into touch from Inu. I think we sort of thought, oh, we didn't expect to get the ball back there. Yeah. And we panicked a bit. But just going back to what he said about, I remember the bit of the acting where he missed touch. <laughs> yeah. I was having kittens. It was like a carry-on for It was like yeah. Norman Wisdom had tried to kick for touch. They got the ball back. It's like, oh, no, what's going to happen here? But, but yeah, I think what we didn't seem to know what we wanted to do there, you know, in that extra time. Who was going to drop the goal? You had Atkin in there. You had Inu there. You had Tui Loller here. And we were like... It was like that Gordon Ramsay thing when they're all in the kitchen running around and bumping into each other. It was like they didn't really know who was going to take the kick. It was just like a load of crazy chefs and that. So, it should have gone... He should have gone back to somebody at like the first tackle, Acting maybe 20 yards out, throw the ball back to him and bang it over. But for me there, once it got to that, the fourth tackle, I think we should have aborted that and just maybe tried to kick it in the end goal and just get a repeat set. We didn't have to score a drop goal on that set of six. There's 10 minutes of extra time there. We were like panicking as if we've got to do it on this set. But the worst thing that could happen is you miss the drop goal, it goes dead, and then they get seven tackle yeah. set. And that's what did us then that seven tackle set because if you watch them on that set of six, they plow down the field, don't they? in them seven tackles, and they're there banging in front of the goal. So, and George Williams doesn't doesn't miss, does he? So it was it was out really because it. Do you know what I said to me dad at way home? I don't like this golden goal, extra time, golden point. I think a draw. There's a fair result. Nineteen nineteen. That 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 game was a draw, and it should have finished a draw because in the championship they don't have golden point. A draw's a draw. So, yeah, I know it makes it exciting, but sometimes. A deserves a point.
0: Uh, but uh, uh. it does help your development, doesn't it? Because obviously our uh. players will learn from that. I spoke to Richard Marshall later in, in a couple of minutes' time. And he says in that changing room, um, it wasn't a sad place. People were talking about what happened and how they could have done it better, Parker. And that's the kind mm. of positive sign you've got from this. Because obviously the players know what happened. We know what went wrong. And next time they're in that situation again, uh, it'll be different
2: yeah possibly um, we've we've been in in the last I don't know how many years but we've been in a lot of these these one point golden you know point games and it it goes one way or the other You have a win or you lose them obviously I, I, I just going back to what Paul said I kind of ag- agree I think you go away to Warrington I know it's not the same for every club and you, you can't you know you can't work sport like this but you go away to Warrington and you get a draw after 80 minutes you've done well Sure, you should get some benefit out of that. We get nothing for all the effort we put in. can I? Don't like the, the the golden point. I'll be honest, but that's that's a separate issue. But uh, yeah, I think what you were saying there, Rob, about and and Paul said the same thing really about that uh, going for that drop goal. Seem, seemingly, that was our plan. Uh, I remember was it last year in the Catalan game in the cup, and Sarah scored the winner. By we fought we outfoxed them. You know, it was already planned. They'd already spoke about it. He, you know, I think I think Ian Watson may put put the, the idea in Kevin Brown's head or something like that. That's what we were going to do, and they were waiting for that drop goal. They they were just backing off and like say coming steaming out. They came out and we found a way around them. I don't know if this year. I don't think we've had that attacking edge as such, and that maybe that bravery a little bit. Maybe you know. But then if you go for that and it all goes wrong and they intercept or whatever, you know. But either way golden point you're going to get very few chances and you've got to take what you've got but uh, yeah it just seems we were you know it's been one of them years where we've been unlucky in a lot of cases not just on the pitch but with everything else you know injuries and suspensions and it seems like um, in a way uh, the right way to end our away games for this year
0: yeah I spoke to Richard Marshall after the game this is what he had to say <laughs>
3: Coach's corner. All right, Ricky. It's Rob. I am. Um, I am, mate. What an emotional
0: game that was, despite defeat. Yeah.
3: yeah, it was. It was the, the yeah. Um, you know, for a team like ourselves who were you know sitting near near the bottom of the table to have that effort, that attitude, um, uh, you know, to to go toe to toe with one of the best teams in the comp, I thought it was brilliant. Um. Yeah, it was up and down, wasn't it? See, so they had a drop goal; they didn't have one. We probably, off the back of that kickoff, got the ball in a real good position. You know, bombed our opportunity. Um, we had twelve players again. Uh, lots going on in that game, but I thought, you know, from a from a, a resilience and a toughness stance, I thought we were outstanding. Yeah, you must be proud of your players. Obviously, you know, with the injuries and,
0: and the players playing with injuries, you know, put on such a great performance must be a bit sort of a bit what was the change room like after obviously with that, with that kind of defeat
3: yeah it wasn't it wasn't quiet it, far from it we we were talking about if we had our opportunity again what would we do would we do anything differently towards you know the last 5 minutes of the game and, and you know there was some good chat in there we don't mope, mope around and we don't sulk um but there is there is listen uh, you know I'm I'm dreading uh, training on uh, on Monday I just don't know what we're going to be able to present uh, on Friday night uh, Sam Luckley got a knock, Morgan Esqueray, Joel Burgess had to come off at half-time. Christian who probably wasn't 100% going into the game, uh, neither with Elijah, but he's got through. Um, who else? Danny Addy. Obviously, Danny Addy had a, had a, had a back, back spasm in the first half. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's just the way it is at the minute.
0: Yeah, real intensity in, in that game as well as the extra time as well. Kind of shows how sort of how far your players can go when you put them under the pump.
3: Yeah, that's yeah. I think we've improved, haven't we, over the course of the season? We certainly improved. That was that, you know from last week um, where we had some really good stuff with the ball. I thought defensively we, we just really dogged. Uh, Worthing didn't have a, a full team out, but they had some marquee players in that team with Austin. George Williams, uh, you know, they had some quality within within there. And, and, but we, I thought we more than match that. I thought we were. Uh, and if we had just took our opportunity towards the end, um, you know, there, there was a ball still within there. We thought we, we were done to on that. But, listen, let's talk about the positives and what what, what an outstanding uh, effort from our guys.
0: Yeah, St. Ellens next week, final game of the season. Opportunity to, to put another performance like that and hopefully win in front of the AJ Bell faithful.
3: That would be lovely. It would be nice to send our supporters off who we I thought we were excellent today. We, we, we weren't high in numbers, but we were high in uh, the, the vocal and the volume. They were brilliant. They got right behind us. And, um, but, yeah, I think we probably did Warrant in a favour uh, in terms of the game that they, they wanted to probably go into the playoff finals with. Uh, we've certainly given that and, uh, and a little bit more besides as well.
0: So that was Richard Marshall. Uh, Paul talking to himself after the game, and and obviously proud of his players' efforts. Uh, and like I said before, he knows this team will, will learn from that experience.
1: Yeah, he should be proud. He should be proud of himself as well. It was it was a proud day to be a Salford supporter, mate. It was, and he came on the pitch at the end of the game, Richard, and he came over to the supporters, and he got a, a good, real good uh, ovation from them. They were they were they were chanting and, and cheering. The, the supporters knew that they uh, they put a massive effort in there, and you no, know, he's unlucky. It, it could have gone either way. That you know. I think we just lacked a bit of composure at the end there. But George Williams is a top player, isn't he? And that's why he gets paid the big money and he, he dropped that goal. But that game could have gone gone either way. But no, I think Richard Marshall, is, as the season's gone, he, he's grown into this job. He's, he's getting the better out of the players now. I think we're a better side now than what we was a few months ago. I think we, we're doing okay now. And I think we just... Just need a few signings and whatever we spoke about that last week, and and obviously the proof will be in a pudding next season. Richard will get judged on how things go, won't he? So fingers crossed, he it, will do okay out of it because uh, no, he's I think he's done he's done well this season with the cards he's been dealt and all the things with COVID and I know every club's had to deal with it, but for someone like us who's not got a massive squad, it has been tricky to manage things, hasn't it? So, uh...
2: well, I mean, you can imagine his and our frustration this season when you see. An effort like that, and the, the game against Holland, but then you have the Castleford and Lee games in between. You're going, what? Well, where's then the, the, We need to get consistency. If you lose, and you've given everything you've got, like Warrington, which we clearly did, yeah. The fans will stay. They will applaud. We, we as the yeah. fans, have had forty odd years of being average at best. You know, we've had the odd, the odd year in the last two, two or three, where we've had a little bit of uh, a little bit of joy. But generally, we're used to getting beat. how you get beat as well. And that, that's the key. I mean, the league game was was absolutely embarrassing. You know, there was nothing there. And then you put in this kind of effort against a team like Warrington. You think, if you play like that against other teams, you'll win more than you'll lose. Uh, and that must be, you know, it must be Richard's frustration as well. He must be sitting there thinking, well, I set you up the same way. We train the same way. We've done everything the same. The person avert to the same because that's not going to change, you know, from the last month of the season, because that's all we've got. And he must, he must be turning his hair out at times, thinking, "What? Well, how, how, how is this the same team that was playing against Hull, you know, Castleford against Castleford a week later? And then he sees us almost beat Warrington away. Uh, yeah, he, he must be he must be frustrated, but like you say, he's got, he'll get this season out of the way now. They're bringing a few of his own players that maybe he's he's got, he's had an eye on. Um, and, and and try and mould it for next year. He's got you know he's got quite a lot of work to do. It's going to be difficult, but uh, yeah, he must be. Uh, no wonder he was delighted on on uh, Saturday because he couldn't have asked more, could he? Really, for his boys.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's all about kind of fine margin, margins, uh, really, uh, Paul. We you know we look back at the games uh, this season, which we lost narrow, uh, Castleford at home. You know that was that was a narrow one again. We're going to home, uh, Lea away, one into. You know, you turn you win you turn them defeats into wins, then you know our season is a bit a bit nearer to that playoff spot.
1: Yeah, but I'm with Paul, it's like if you'd have played like that at Lee, we'd have beat Lee by forty points. So to me, the league game was attitude, Um, and I think the Cassett game at the Magic Weekend was a bit like. There's bit you can question our attitude this season. I think in certain matches. Um, you know earlier on in the season when Old Tonks as I thought that was pretty poor the two Leeds defeats were poor so we've had some OK Hardaway was an absolute disaster um, so we've had some poor defeats haven't we and then we've, we've played well in other games the Huddersfield games have been good so it has been an inconsistent season it's been an up and down sort of season and that's something Richard Marshall I want to iron out that um, definitely you know if you can play that well against and play that well against Warrington we we have played like that Wigan would have won there We'd have beat them, you know, so it, it, we, we could have finished a, a lot higher than than we're going to finish. I think we're going to finish second bottom now, aren't we? Can't finish any higher, can't finish yeah. any lower. So that's a disappointing season to finish second bottom. And thank God Lee's in there because if they they wouldn't have been in there, there's a fair chance we could have got relegated. So it's a lucky escape for us this season. But next season, we've got to be switched on because if Toulouse come up, which they're looking like they will, or Featherstone, we'll call it Toulouse for argument's sake, they come up, they're going to spend money, we're no mugs. So what's going to happen to us next season we're going to have to fight for our survival chance because Wakefield is strengthening Huddersfield are going to be stronger next season so it's going to be a really tough year so we need to hit the ground running we can't afford to, to start behind the eight ball so it's it's a real pivotal that we we, we sign good, good players and and, and go for it because there'll it, be no excuses next season. We can't say, "Oh well, it's a new coach, it's a new this, new system, and it's a transition season and all that." You'll be back in Division One. So um, yeah, so yeah, I'm right behind Richard Marshall. There's a mitigation there this season, but now we've got to uh, we've got to be switched on now for next year.
0: Yeah, look at the stats, Elijah Taylor with 34, Sam Luckley with 25 tackles, Andy Ackers 44 tackles, Greg Burke 37, Josh Johnson 36, uh, Ellis Robson 43. And Jack Harmon ride 34 parkey. Forwards yeah. doing an awful lot of
2: work there. Yeah, no wonder they were they were gassed by the end. Uh, that is a lot of tackles. I mean, how many players there got over did over 30 tackles? I mean, that's 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 a lot. It's a lot of work. yeah uh, Two nearly three. So you've got you know it shows like like again what Paul said earlier, you know, start of the second half when the, the opposition having set after set us, it, it, it does drain you in the long run. You've got to get out of that. You've got to control the ball and make sure they do the work. But you know, forgive him. We're away at Warrington. I mean, I'm not not bagging the lads for effort this week at all. Um, but yeah, no, a lot, a lot of work went in there. Elvis Robson again, more more great stats from him. But uh, it's his birthday. Uh, well, today. So yeah. hopefully, when this goes out, he'll have celebrated already. Not too much. He's got a game on Friday. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, happy birthday to to him. He's been he's been really good for us while he's been with us and. Again, like I say, impressive stats.
0: Yeah. Looking at the the meter makers, uh, Paul, uh, CO 232, Williams 127, Inu two. I think the only kind of bugbear of it, obviously the forwards have done all the tackling, between meters made were between 40 and the highest one was 70. So that's the big—that's the difference you see. I think between a team that's, that's that's going to win and a team that's going to pull short, you need to be making metres. Even though you're going to be doing you're doing an awful lot of tackling, um, it's it's you know it's you struggling to get your goal forward. Uh, is your is your problem there?
1: Yeah, I think so. Like like I said before, I watched the, the, the Sky game on Sunday night, and I was listening to what they were saying about Warrington's injuries and this that and the and I thought we had a lot of big men out injured. We had an entire pack missing again. So there's there's guys on there who play big minutes and work the socks off. Look at the tackles there. Ellis Robson, I mean, I hope we sign that lad because I think he's coming and he works his socks off. Josh Johnson again, he made a few mistakes, Josh. He coughed the ball up a couple of times, but he made up for that in the work that he did as well. I think our completion rate early doors in the game wasn't very good. I think we handed Warrington a bit of an initiative there, but I was dead pleased with how the forwards worked. I thought Jack Armand, right again, Gets better every week. Sam Luckily, he's blossoming into a really, really good forward. The way he gets the ball out, I and mean, I called him Ari Udina in the, the watch it because he, he had three players on him at one time. and The ball just popped out, so we've got to keep working with him. I think he's going to be a top, top forward next season. I really do. Uh, but, yeah, it was a massive effort, massive effort there. And How many metres did you say CO got? Did he get over 200 metres? Mm.
0: 232.
1: Yeah, and he've got big meters as well, didn't he? So, so they worked hard. So, I mean, I said it on Saturday. You've got two players there who I'm not sure whether they're going to be at Salford next season. Ken Seal, I'd be pushing the boat out. You know, I, I don't know. I heard somebody mention some money the other day, and I'm not going to say who. And I'm not going to say what it was, but let's just make sure we keep Ken Seal for uh, for next season. So that's that same.
0: I think it's about balancing it, Paul. And, and you know you can't. We don't want to bank up the club trying to keep Ken Seal, do we? You know
2: what I mean? That's, That's a good all. question, that um do uh, no, we? No, we, we obviously don't, but there will be there'll be other players leaving and we, we might just have to take a pinch on one or two, but um I mean Ken Seal, what, what was it is that his fiftieth game for us? And it's like his thirty eighth try. I mean you you don't buy tries, you can't buy players like that now, they're not there. and and he, he is important. How many how many meters you say you knew did, by the way? Say as well was um on, on Sam Luckley. I think this season, I think we've all seen how he's developed and become this uh, a, a unbelievably reliable player who's got a, a great offloading game. But he, he, they even mentioned on on the radio the other day. These, you know, they were both basically back in Warrington on the radio, but but um, they they said that how impressed they've been with him this year and how how he's again like I say how he's, he's come on and he was. He, he, he's been a real a real shining light for us this year and uh, I hope uh, you know, hope we can keep working with him and I, I think like Paul said I think we've got a bit of a star in our hands
0: I think I might have overcooked Christian Inu a bit he did 96 metres still a, a lot nearly 100 still yeah. our second top uh, metre maker Oh, third behind Reese Williams
1: sorry lads I've had to plug my iPad in on challenge just trying to find somewhere where I'm not in the light
0: Sorry. Someone's getting getting uh, getting interrogated now For that light <laughs> Tell me you can <laughs> see you signing <laughs> for
2: <laughs> Well if it, it works, I'll go with it I'm happy with that That's better Just get, just get your signature on, yeah. and Go and ask him for a, a, an autograph And make sure there's a contract That's tucked underneath <laughs> um, Yeah so You know Again like I said uh, With Inu though I mean a player that we might not have next year has been... He's obviously injured this week a little bit, that's why he's on the bench, but the, the, the effort he's put in since he's come back from his his little... Um, his mid-season break, shall we say, um, has been has been phenomenal. And them two guys, for me, are just musts on retaining. They, they, they are... I, I don't think we are keep them both, but, you know, he's he, something we've got to look at. But, you know, I'm sure, sure Paul King would love to say yes, and Ian believes, yeah, we, we will keep them, but, you know... He, there isn't that spare money knocking about, is there? So, uh, but we'll see. We'll see. We never know. We don't, we don't give up hope. We might, so we might keep them both yet. Yeah. Big
0: thanks for your three weird match reports of Man of the Matches. Stuart Smart, too many handling errors. That's four, Stu. Ken of the ma- uh, Man of the Match was Ken Seal. Roy Ellerby, Paul's mate. Fair crack whip. Ken Seal. Kristen Linth. wasted great opportunity. Seal. Mark, very hard loss. Seal. Colin Wilson, lack of leader. Seal. I think. You made the point, didn't you, Paul, about, about sort of uh, not being able to kind of think the way out of it. Um, that might have been a good point, that. Chris Sanders, unlucky. Uh, James Hawkinson, gutted, gutted, gutted. CEO, bad Val Boardman, never a try. Must be talking about the Davis effort. Chris and Janet Shenton, disappointing but fair, CEO. AJ, uh, no, Matt Carr, next season's promising, CEO. And finally, Anne. Win Cup, uh, never a try, CEO. So, Ken CEO uh, wins the three-word match report man of the matches uh, this week, Paul.
1: Yeah, I think he played well, CEO. I mean, you look at his, his try scoring now, he's got 17 now and he's missed quite a few games this season as well. He mm. you know, had a few injuries, so, uh, yeah, and he plus he plays like with Dan Sarge in a lot of the weeks and Dan Sarge is not the sort of the greatest guy for putting the ball on the plate for his. his first moves back inside most of the time, so, uh, <laughs> He tried passing it a bit more. He'd score a few more. But no, I think no, I'm only joking with Dan. I think he's played well. But no, um, no, Sio, I thought was excellent again. He was at the, the Magic Weekend coming into his own now. And you no, know, that's why other sides are after him. And I know what you're saying about the money and that. It would be great to keep him, but we'll have to just, just wait and see what happens. But no, it's not often we have a guy at the top of the try scoring charts. And uh, mm. you know, I think that's testament to where he's playing at the moment. You know, you give him the ball or you give him a sniff. He's taking the chance and he's a cracking finisher as well, Ken. See, so a really, really good finisher. I yeah. think he deserves it. I think there's a few players though that could have got the man of the match. I thought Chris Atkin worked his socks off as he does every week. Two wheel all here. There's another one. I think over the last sort of month or so, yeah. he's he played really well, played some really good stuff for us. His kicking game was a bit iffy, I thought, on Saturday. A lot of it was up in the air and hitting hopes and things like that. So, I think that's something we need to work on. Um, th- there's a few things we couldn't work on out of that game, but the effort was absolutely tremendous from the players on Saturday.
0: Yeah, you can pull Dan Sajson's leg now. He's not been sent off for a few weeks, so he's not, he's not twitching. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's one thing. You know what I've noticed as well? Since he's grown his hair, mellowed out. Early season, skinhead, getting sent off, sin being regular. Since he decided to grow it a bit, Parker, you know.
2: Yeah, Thanks. Thanks no, for pointing me not, out. Not, not been not, bin yeah. bin once. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for mentioning me there. <laughs> I'll give it a go, eh? Um, yeah, no. It's, I mean, to, to be honest, we get a full season out of Dan Sargenton. It's a good about a full season out of Co and, and Inu or Watkins, and you know who knows what may have happened. We we don't know. Paul's just decided to have some chocolate or something. correct. Yeah. Um, right. But um, you know, he's been he's been up and down. But let's just get everybody fit for next year. Hopefully we keep up with a couple, and uh, you know we no, like uh, one, one of the lads said there on the three my, uh, match report. It's um, things could look positive for next year if we just get a bit of luck. That's what I think. That's the main thing we need for next year. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, good to good to see Dan sort of getting a run of games now because I think at one point this season he'd actually missed more than he would played. Yeah. Um, that's we can't afford that. Not with our key players like Dan clearly is because we know what, what he can do and how good he can be. So um but yeah, we need to get get this this season over, get pre-season done, get everybody fit, get rid of COVID for God's sake. And um, you know, who knows? Who knows what could happen next year?
0: Yep, so that's our look back at the Warranton game. Uh, next up we've got all the big news coming out of the club this week. Down in the So let's talk news, Parker. Uh, the uh, Porters Trust Motown Soul Night um, is on the 18th of September. Still tickets available at 15 pounds. Uh, you get food. You got a DJ and got games as well. So it's going to be an entertaining night, Parker.
2: Yeah, yeah, it should be. I know we someone mentioned it a while ago, uh, and I plan to uh, to go down. Um, I'm kind of stuck now. Uh, there's a, a couple of things happening and. Uh, plus with the players' awards as well, not far off. It might be a little bit too much, but um, yeah, no, it sounds good. I know they've done something similar before, haven't they? And it's, uh, it's supposed to be a really good night. Um, I, I will, I will certainly try and get there if I can. It's uh, it's, a, it's busy time, but um, yeah, no, it, it'll be it'll be a good night. Um, I know the, the supporters trust, you know, they generally do throw a decent uh, a decent bash together. So uh, yeah, yeah, that should be good.
0: Yeah, it's going to be exciting, obviously. Get down to support, support the supporters' trust, obviously. It uh, gives the fans a voice and a, a body to sort of question things and ask for things, because that's what us fans, you know, we, we want to be able to to ask the club for stuff and, you know, that's a way you can do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is with the supporters' trust as well, it, it's been very difficult for him again, like everybody else, but over the last 12, 18 months, you know, we can't get together. You couldn't, we couldn't have functions or anything like that together. Uh, and as fans, we've not, we've not had a chance to be together and, and just sort of away from rugby a little bit. I know it's all connected, but not be specifically all about rugby. It's a night out, you can have a laugh, a few drinks, whatever. Um, and it's a good chance, hopefully, for him to, you know, make a bit of money, you know, boost the coffers again. And uh, and hopefully recruit you know a few more uh, a few more members. Yeah, uh, there's also the uh,
0: players awards evening. That's on twenty second of September, uh, where the club announced the player of the year and various other awards. Uh, Thirty five pound if for uh, uh, Joe Blogs. Twenty five pound if you're a squad builder member. Parky, obviously another good time. Uh, you get to see all the players say goodbye to them. Probably get selfies and stuff, uh, COVID permitting. Uh, but yeah, it's always a good night there as well.
2: Yeah, uh, 2019 uh, was the last one, wasn't it? Obviously, last year again, another event that couldn't take place. Uh, it was a fantastic evening, really well, it was, really professionally done by the club. Um, so emceed by uh, Paul King, who, who who's, who's quite a funny character, isn't he? And uh, the the more the more uh, ale that that went down, the uh, the looser he got. Let's say that, uh, and I don't mean you know in any. Bizarre or rude way, but he was—he uh, let his hair down, um, and we all—we had, had a good laugh. It was a great night. Obviously, 2019 being a superb year for us, anyway. But uh, no, it was really, really well done. And uh, I know I'm—I'm uh, I'm buying my ticket on uh, on Friday, so I'll definitely be there, and I'll look forward to that.
0: Yeah, dressed to impress—that's what it says on the uh, on the invite. So might have to uh, cut my hair or something, or have a wash, or something. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think I have to borrow somebody's uh, outfit. I think. I don't know.
0: <laughs> so it's always a good night. Yeah. So get yourselves down there if, if you can. Uh, sad news of the week: uh, Les Bettison, uh, former Salford coach, passed away this this week. Parker, uh, what what a legend he, he was.
2: Yeah, I, I've had the I had the pleasure of meeting Les on several occasions when I was growing up. You know, uh, as a kid around the willows, uh, and I. And what, a true gentleman in every sense of the word, everyone you, you speak to, but he was, he, he was so, he's like softly spoken, but, re- you know, you, in, in a way you kind of thought, how did this guy play rugby in the 50s and 60s? He's, he's, he just looked like a, I don't know, he had this authority about him though, and, a, you know, but what a really nice man, great servant to the club. I mean, get you know, was it start, signed in 57 under Gus Risman? You know, I mean, that's, that's not bad, is it? If he's picked you up and spotted your talent, and was still connected to the club for you know for for decades um like i say yeah a great man a really really sad loss to, to everybody i know uh i, I spoke to my who was who knew him really well through you know 30, 40 years of, of of her life and uh, you know she she said the same thing She said it's such a you know be, be a big loss and um yeah we'll i, I don't know where uh, i don't know any details i'm sure they might get released whether there's any any chance of representatives from the club going down you know to to the, to the funeral or what but um, yeah devastating news really and uh, another sad loss for the club yeah 75
0: tries 10 goals 375 appearances uh, our assistant coach in 1970 was our head coach 1973 to 1977 he won the first division championship in 73 74 75 and 76 he won the BBC Full Trophy in 74-75. so he's he's probably one one of our most successful coach uh, in in reality. Um, but yeah, what a what a, what a, what a natural performance. Obviously, had a great team as well, uh, and he, and he built it really.
2: Yeah, when he came in, uh, I mean, obviously, besides the thirties, we we had no real real success, and he came in. Obviously, Brian Snape was willing to, to splash the cash, and uh, when he when he did take over you know there was a good team there but that that doesn't mean anything does it you know we we've, we've seen it before where you can put as many players together as you want but making them play together and work and and be successful that takes good coaching good management uh, and to fit i mean when you think about it as well it was a team of you know certainly the back you know three quarters and some a team of superstars and and keeping them together and grounded and making the whole team work together uh, superb and then Obviously, I mean, his respect within rugby league was shown later on when he, you know, when he got the Great Britain tour manager's job. It just shows what, a, you know, what what a level he really was at. And uh, who knows, you know, I, I know '77 was his, his his sort of swan song, wasn't it, with with coaching? But I don't know. Who, who knows whether he could have, you know, carried on and got us a bit more. We'll never know now. But um, yeah, he, he oversaw one of the most successful periods we've ever had.
0: Yeah, and obviously you know, like you say, stuff with with Great Britain, uh, he's probably you know up there with one of the best coaches of all time, really. If you're looking at what he did for a particular club, which was us, and uh, I think obviously hopefully the club are looking to maybe you know member him, you know, through whatever mm-hmm. the new stadium if do get a new stadium uh, at Morelain or wherever we be, you know wherever, wherever we can go, uh, that they might be able to honor him in some way.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I know they have a, a lot of a awards already that are already named so i think that's probably a an avenue we we couldn't go down but if you wanted to you know the the clubman award i can't i can't remember who's named after at the moment but you know that would have been that would have been an ideal one because it just you know that a guy that sticks around the club for 50 years or whatever he's he he doesn't get any better than that but um yeah no it'd be nice to get him on in, in, in one way or another at the club um and I'm sure that's something. That, again, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe the supporters just could help with, and you know, we, we can look into going forward. But uh, yeah, very sad news.
0: Yeah, our thoughts with his, fr- with his friends and family at this this time. Uh, final bit of news, uh, Parky. Um, there was a big meeting, big press conference this uh, mm. this week, uh, mm. where Ralph Rimmer uh, managed to speak to the Rugby League press about you know, what's been going the last uh, sort of few months and the future. Um, and he announced about a, a sort of a working group to try and make the best of the, the future of the game. Um, uh, Obviously, you know, we were involved in that process, uh, but when obviously you read it, he's obviously looking about sort of the future and how to build the build the sport, which is good in a way. Uh, but there is fires burning now, which really needs to kind of be put out.
2: Yeah, I, I, I must admit, I, I don't, as as anyone who listens to this will know I, I don't trust the people at the top of rugby league. <laughs> I think I think we need true professionals in the job. I think we use too many amateurs and people who are close to other clubs and that kind of thing. I think it needs to if you want to overall sport, you get somebody who is successful in business or sport, but from the outside, I think I think there's too much of this. I mean, no no disrespect to, to Ralph, but how long's he been in charge or been involved in rugby league? And it's all of a sudden now we want to change things. Well, why didn't we do it progressively over the last five, ten years? Why all of a sudden now? Why is there only four or five people involved in this? If, we, if it's going to be done within rugby league, then every single club has a stake in this and should all be represented on some working panel or whatever else. I know it's difficult. The more people you put in, the, you know, the harder it gets. But I, I, I would be a little bit concerned. I think there'll be a lot of um, people involved who will look after their own their own good. Uh, that's why I think it should be, you know, independent. But yeah, the game needs to change a little bit. Obviously, I don't think I don't think the product as good as it has been in, in in other years. I don't know how you change that as such, you know. But but rugby league seems to me to be the only sport that has to change something every year. There has to be a new rule or there has to be a new structure or you know whatever it is. And let, let's try and leave it alone, but work with what we've got. Mm. You know, the game itself. When it's done right, is is a fantastic sport. There's no doubt about it. It's you know, I know we're biased. I'm not, I'm not stupid enough to say, but it's a brilliant sport. It's what goes on around it, the administration and that kind of it lets it down so much. Even going on to to referee, and I know, um, I think it was Taylor who was dropped again this week. Um, and I actually happen to think he's probably the best referee. Maybe he just got the wrong game and didn't give the right decision to the right team. <laughs> Don't know, but but what happens if if, if Ben decided then that's enough, I've had enough, I've been dropped, I've been dropped before, you know, I, I understand you've got to be accountable, but we haven't got referees, so where are they? Who, what are we doing about that? That's, that's a big step, making more referees more professional, you know, that kind of thing, making the, the game better that way, so people don't get frustrated with, you know, decisions on certain referees that you think you don't, whatever. We, we need to sort of focus on what we really want out of the game and, and I just think this is, you know, a bit of uh, uh, rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic a little bit. Um, it needs, I think, it needs a fresh look. I know if, a while ago was it, um, was it Eddie Hearn that was was linked with coming into to rugby league to give us a hand you know the, the boxing and whatever else they do sort of guru. And that that's the kind of level you've got to be looking at to to make the changes. Um, but. We'll we'll see what comes of it. I'm I'm sceptical as as ever, but um, I don't know. I might get it. I might get it badly wrong, and it, the solution they come up with could be, you know, exactly what the game needs. But let's not go altering too much. And I know the reunion have come up with a, a suggestion in the last week or so, going to twelve a a, a competition of twelve men hmm. instead of the fifty. You know what I mean, I, it's not reunion anymore, then, is it? So that's what you've got to be careful of. Everybody's seen the hundred and thought. In, in cricket and thought that's the way we have to change we have to do but cricket is a totally different sport with a different coverage and to be fair probably probably didn't need the 100 to boost itself it's got 2020 in one days and test match cricket or whatever else but they went ahead and did it and it seems to have been a success and i think everyone else has sort of thought oh well we need to do this but I, i'm not so sure i think i think securing proper television rights would be at a top of my list of changes but but we'll see we'll we'll see where they go with it
0: i just think they need the working group needs to be sort of bigger i think you've got to need to have more voices in there uh, currently i've like you say, you've got three of the top four clubs represented uh, but but for me if you want sort of the quality and you want everyone to, to sort of feel involved and have an opinion you need different people in different sort of areas of the sport to have an input and be able to grow the sport, grow the sports profile.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: important, like sort of the amateur side, Sue Wright, who's the, who's the head of Barla. She, she should be involved in that for me. Cause obviously our amateur yeah. uh, scene is important. It generates yeah. players, the next generation, both on, uh, you know, on the field and fans off it. That's important. The media as well, the likes of Gaz Carter, Gaz Walker, mm-hmm. Aaron Bowyer, you know, they're the the big guns in, in the in the rugby league media. If they can have an input on how we promote the sport and what stories you know we should be trying to produce to sort of catch the the eye of the people who aren't involved in our bubble, as well as the TV people like Dave Woods and Tanya Arnold, they're mm. they're key to this for for me. And and I think the RFL should be sort of tapping them to get involved in this and, and help grow the sport. And then also I think well, the most important thing is us fans. Those fans should yeah. have a stake in this yeah. in this uh, group. Uh, we should have a, have a view. Really, I do feel it should be through a supporters' trust uh, set up. Lots of different clubs have supporters' trust, like Castleford and Huddersfield, Hulkiah, Warrington, us in the Super League. Then you've got clubs who are lower division, like Halifax, Rochdale, Swinton, Bradford, Whitehaven, Widnes, and Oldham. You've got a big sort of group of fans there who. Want want the sport to succeed, and obviously the supporters' trusts have to all get together and, and join and create one big trust. But it's important. I think it's so important that us fans have a say in, in this process because obviously we're the ones watching it. We're the ones investing money into it. Uh, so I think if we manage to do all that, we'd have a you know healthier sport.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, no sports anything without fans, is it really? That's that's the key. And if if the can if the fans aren't enjoying it or don't don't agree with decisions and you walk away, you know, I'd say 80% of these clubs are going to fold anyway. Being yeah. point. But who's, who's representing Coventry or, you know, or Keith, who's looking after them? Who's, is there a super league and RFL difference? You know, mm. what, what we're here? Talking, we're talking the future of the whole sport. And like you said, like Barler and, you know, even the international game, you know, we've been let down this year because of the world cup, not going ahead. Um, but it's where it's going. What, 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 what are the plans for international rugby going forward? But the whole thing—if it's going to change, we need to change everything in that way. But um, yeah, you're right. I think the fans—we need—we need to have a say in in some way. Uh, and it, it's not a case of like you—you've said there. Most of the people on this panel are from from the big clubs. It's what happens to the smaller clubs, including us, in that way. And you know, and Wakefield or Huddersfield, the ones that don't get the massive support in Super League and aren't flush with cash as such someone's got to represent us and look after us uh, and I, I just worry that there's a bit of um, you know uh, elitism that, that could creep into these decisions and it's what's best for the, the big clubs with the big fans.
0: Yeah, big thanks for the uh, supporters trust uh, Twitter admin for getting me all the information regarding you know, which clubs had uh, supporters trust and it's important uh, we talk about expansion you know we should have uh, you know Bernard, I think the the Catalan chairman, he should be on there because he's in a, a successful uh, chairman who, who's in in a expansion area in in France, a, a club that's not in the you know the heartland, and he mm. might have an input. The London Broncos, uh, you know, chairman obviously they've gone to part time now, and Coventry, like you said you know, perhaps like a sub, a sub group of them and maybe one of them involved as well to, to, to put their views across what, how they struggle to, you know, manage to, you know, get the game going in certain areas. But for me, I just think it's a bit too shallow what it is at the moment, but you're open, you know, they'll be able to sort it later down the line.
2: Yeah, it's, it is tough. And I know, like I said, at the start, the more people you get involved, the harder decisions become because everybody wants to throw their bit in. But, uh... I think, like you say, even if you have a few members from League One, a few from the Championship, a few from Super League, and then the amateur game involved, and uh, I think that's that's probably better than having three or four people at the top of the top of the game who are involved in clubs and and the, and the running of the game. Uh, I, I don't see it being fair. So yeah, in, independent people to oversee it, but to be able to listen to what what concerns and you know what problems other. Teams face especially those the smaller ones and the ones on the outskirts, like you say. You know, I know we mentioned Coventry and even London Scholars, Newcastle, who who have been, uh, you know, really good this year. You know, what's happening in Wales and and restructure the game that way. Let's see how how we can support teams, how we get money to filter to all these clubs. Um, but yeah, it does does concern me a little bit that the same old faces are involved again. Um, who have. Not moved the sport on since, what, 96, 97 when Super League came in. It's not as good now. It's not as exciting in terms of, to the general public, you know, when it came out, it was was a great, you know, a new thing. We'd moved to summer, but you've got to be careful how much tweaking you do. Um, So, but but we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens and hopefully they get it right this time.
0: But don't forget the Super League clubs have had a reduction in Super League money, haven't they, from 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 the uh, the RFL and and the Sky and things like that. So they'll be looking over the shoulder. These big clubs have big wage bills, don't they, Parky? So they need to make sure they're they even though they might be involved in this panel, they'll be looking at their bottom line, thinking, well, we need X amount to to cover. Our our bills and we can't afford to to lose any of that and that, and that's the important thing I think with this panel it's got to be independent from it from everybody uh, and if, even if it's not if it's not independent then you've got to have voices from other areas so you just can't block vote your way through.
2: Well, yeah, I mean that's a key thing you mentioned there about the TV, the, the money going down. Hmm. How we negotiated money down when every other sport's getting more? I don't, well. I don't, quite manage, I don't know how we manage that. How we only ever have one broadcaster. Um, and yet I think rugby unions on about three channels. The women's football is now on uh, Sky and the BBC, I think, and I think the international games and ITV. Fantastic, brilliant. You know, not not saying anything about that, but at the same point, you get other sports who are shown on on various channels, you know, even American football, it's not native to this country. I think that gets shown on three channels over it. Rugby League is stuck with one that's basically dictating everything we do. Uh, can move the sport wherever they want. And, uh, and somehow we've managed to get less money out of it. And it's one of the very few things that I agreed with uh, Dr. Kukash about a while back. When, he, when they negotiated the previous deal. And he said, why, why are we only talking to Sky? but you know, we put the feelers out. Do we know what other people think, what they want? Can we negotiate a better deal? And and we just, it seemed that the, the, the Super League just jumped at the first money they were given. And um, I don't know, I don't know where we go from there. We can't get out of that until Sky decide to get rid. And if they do that, then we are in trouble.
0: That's it, you see, because obviously Sky lays the golden eggs, don't they? So you need to make sure that whoever you bring in uh, gives you the same amount of money, at least. Um, but obviously, we'll have to wait and see what happens there, Parker, with that. So that's all the chat for this particular podcast. Tune in tomorrow for Paul Whiteside's amateur Report and we'll preview the Saints game on Friday. Big thanks for tuning in. Abbey Parkson Parkinson. You can find us on Facebook, Devil Detail SRD. You can find us on Twitter at DITDSRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Radio Contact, Spotify and YouTube. See you tomorrow.